Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of In Check with Fintech, organized by PCN. I'm your host, Rogier Roep van der Voort, and with me on the show today is the CEO of LittlePay, Amin Shayan. Amin, welcome on the show. Thank you, Rogier. Good to be here. Good to have you. Um, today, we'll talk about transit payments, which is an, uh, a very interesting topic, I think. Before we do that, uh, I mean, would you mind giving a bit of an introduction on yourself as well as on LittlePay for the listeners? Sure. So the uh, my background uh, is a little bit varied. Um, I was an investment banker uh, for a period of time covering the tech industry. Uh, I worked in uh, New York and London and... Um, moved back to my hometown in Melbourne after a number of years overseas uh, and decided that I wanted to get involved in the startup scene, uh, get involved again in technology, uh, move away from the dark side, as I sometimes say. Uh, And after a little bit of a journey uh, working with a few different startups, um, I uh, joined LittlePay as part of the founding team in 2016. Um, and the premise behind Little Pay at that time was that uh, we wanted to make the adoption of contactless EMV payments a lot simpler for the transit industry. Um, London had just gone live with contactless payments, I think two years or three years earlier. And it was really the first major city to do that uh, on a large scale. And what we realized was that there was a bit of a gap in the market because those systems for the major cities were very expensive, very CapEx heavy, very bespoke. Uh, And we thought that there's an opportunity really to develop something that is more open architecture, cloud-based, significantly lower cost, and more productized that would be much easier to adopt for a range of transit uh, agencies and operators who, you know, would not have the uh, financial resources of a, you know, big agency like TFL, and basically wanted to bring that transit ticketing and contactless payments into the modern era. Uh, you know, if you think back at retail payments 30, 40 years ago, it was a very similar thing. You had very expensive bespoke systems for retail transaction processing. And over a period of 30, 40 years, um, that's completely changed. And now you can go to you know, a store, buy a $30, $40 dongle from Square or from PayPal and you know, sign up on the web and immediately you have a contactless payment system up and running. Uh, and we were trying to effectively move transit in that same direction, make it a more standardized, productized, low-cost, simple way where contactless EMV could be brought to the market. So we started that journey in the beginning of 2016. It took us about a year and a half to get the product off the ground. Um, and we did our first trial with the city of Oxford um, in June of 2017. That was a success. Um, and because we were first to market with such an offering uh, that didn't involve any upfront payment or CapEx for um, for the solution, at least, uh, putting the hardware aside, uh, we, we generated a lot of success. And in the UK, a lot of the bus companies approached us and we, were, we, managed, to, um, we managed to build a significant market share in the UK. And from that point, you know, our company has scaled. And what we've been trying to do is take that success more internationally. 
So most of the revenue right now comes from bus operators then, yeah? Uh, as of today, yes. Most of okay. the revenue comes from bus operators. We do have a couple of other, you know, ferries and we are developing a system for a couple of other cities that will include trains. But with the disruption of COVID, um, the deployment of those will probably happen in, uh, next year. Interesting. How did it come about it? Because you guys started in Melbourne, right? Which is you where you are also based, but um, you have a, a good position in the UK and Ireland. How did that, how did that came about? Yeah, I mean, when we started, uh, to be honest, we, we weren't yet sure whether transit would be our only focus. In the early days, we had thought about little pay as being more about micro payments and thinking about you know any industry where there were the low value payments that could be aggregated um, that would need to be done with some sort of offline authentication um, that could use a kind of system that would lower the transaction costs that typically exist for a EMB payment. Um, but over a period of, yeah, and, and what happened was our first opportunity really came in the, in the transit industry. Um, and after a period, we decided that uh, it made a lot of sense just to focus on that industry. It's a very large industry. Um, it has a lot of very specialized problems that need to be solved. And as we solved those problems, we thought, look, we'd rather go deep than wide. Um, and so, you know, soon after going live and, you know, probably the following year, um, when I became CEO, we changed the strategy and said, look, we, we just want to be uh, a transit specialist PSP. Um, and we feel that by specializing in that industry, we bring a lot of value. Uh, we bring a lot of knowledge um, and expertise. Um, and so far, that's uh, stood us in good stead. Interesting. So you can pivot it into that transit payment field, if you will. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say we pivoted, but we probably focused in on that industry. There were a few opportunities in other areas. It was more about saying no to the other opportunities and saying, "Look, you know, we want to be known for something. We want to be known as the best in something. Um, you know, let's pick an industry where we think it can be global. It can scale. It has high volumes." Um, and, you know, we can bring something to the table that, you know, so far other people can't bring to the table uh, with the level of depth and understanding that we can. Um, and so it was more about, you know, narrowing the range of things that we are going to spend effort on. Uh, and, and that's what we kind of did. I mean, transit has been around obviously for, for decades. I can imagine as an industry that is in need of a lot of innovation. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest challenges that we have is that you are dealing with an industry that has fare structures and systems and processes that have been around for, in some cases, close to a century. Um, you can go into, you know, we went into one region in the UK and there are four or five different bus operators and, you know, where, where the people of that city are using these different bus operators to do their da daily commuting. And it was worked out that the permutation of fares that the commuter could experience was 30,000 because there are daytime fares, there are you know weekend fares, concession fares, holiday fares, weekly, monthly, uh, and each operator has their own set of those. And so the combination that you could experience 
is um, is hugely complex. And that's happening in an era where, you know, Uber and Lyft and these guys come to the market with something that is simple, transparent, seamless. Um, and one of the biggest challenges we have is trying to simplify some of these legacy systems and um, ways of thinking to, you know, really focus on the customer and, and make something uh, an enjoyable experience. So people, people, you know, know what they get. You know, London is a good example of having done that. You know, in London, you want to get on a bus, it's a pound 50 and there's a, you know, daily cap. Um, it's very simple. You know what it is, you know what you're going to pay. Um, and, and I think the world is going to slowly move in that direction, but you know, it's, it's challenging because a lot of these transit agencies, you know, they're subsidized by the government. They don't want to change something and risk losing money. Um, so there's constantly a tension of, you know, how quickly can you change? So, yeah, there's, there's huge complexity. And if you, if you, you know, you work at little pay, you have to enjoy complexity because we deal with it all the time. We started PCN 12 years ago with a view to serving the fintech community from a growth perspective. Since 2008, PCN has helped household names in fintech as well as the largest global merchants grow with the best talent who have specific financial technology experience. If you are a VC with a portfolio of fintech businesses, a scale-up looking to hire the best talent, or a merchant looking to hire a head of payments or an entire payments team, get in touch today for a no-obligation consultation on how PCN can help you accomplish your hiring goals. Yeah, so this is IT systems, but you say also mindset, right? So I guess it's a lot of educating and maybe convincing uh, people who are responsible for those kind of more complex structures from a fee point of view and customer experience point of view. Yes, that's right. I mean, the agencies and operators know that they need to simplify. They want to simplify. Uh, they can see the trends happening around them, the market share moving to some of these rideshare operators, um, you know, the discussions around mobility as a service and there's constant disruption happening as there is in so many other industries. So there is a desire there to do that, but, you know, that has to be balanced with the risk. You know, if they simplify, do they, do you lose money relative to what you have now? How can we make sure that we simplify something, but it doesn't cost us more revenue because we're already challenged in terms of revenue and now with COVID even more so. So, it is really trying to, you know, what we try to do is make the adoption process very simple and low cost. Uh, we try to encourage people to do pilots and trials and, you know, use real-time data to make decisions and move away a little bit from this history that's in the industry of cumbersome, expensive procurement processes where, you know, you spend two years developing specifications, you know, using expensive consultants, and then you put that out to tender and everybody comes back and says, hey, yeah, we can do this and it's going to cost you this much. And you end up committing to something that locks you into a inflexible system for decades to come. Um, and, you know, this is really old school mentality. You know, if you, if you look at every other industry that's involved in technology and software, Things have become more agile. They've become more specialized. You can plug and play. You can interconnect things. You can use APIs. And if technology changes, you can swap pieces out. Um, but, you know, it is a regulated industry. And so the ability to do these things is, is often also 
um, encumbered a little bit by regulation and what people can do in terms of buying new things without going through a regulated procurement process. But increasingly, we're finding that our message is resonating and the more forward thinking uh, regions like the Nordics um, are very open to these ideas. And so even though they do go through these procurement processes, you know, we won the tender for the city of Helsinki payment processing for their transit. Um, and, you know, they they took that approach. You know, we're going to take a modular approach. We're not going to do an all-in-one procurement for everything. Um, we're going to do payment processing separately. We're going to do the hardware separately. We're going to do the software separately. Um, and that's going to give us flexibility into the future. Um, it makes some, some parts more complicated, but it makes longer term, it makes you more agile, more flexible. Uh, so, yeah, it is, as you say, it's a, it's something that I'm constantly talking to people about, trying to educate, trying to give them an alternative way to approach, you know, a very complex problem. Yeah, a lot of complexities, but also definitely also opportunities uh, by the sounds of things. How, how are transit payments different from normal or from, from retail payments? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, if you think about the payment processes that we're used to day to day when we buy a coffee or an item of clothing, um, they're basically retail payments. And, and that's what the system was designed for over the last 40 years. Now, if you think about retail versus transit, there are a number of differences uh, and three key ones. In retail, when you go and use a contactless payment, at the point of purchase, you know the value of the item. You know, you want to buy an item of clothing, $50, $50 comes on the terminal, you tap your card and you make the payment. In public transport, the amount is often unknown at the point uh, of the contactless tap. Uh, there are complex rules about fares, zones, daily caps, monthly tickets, time-based fares, and all of these have to be applied before the consumer is charged. And that's kind of parts, they're the parts that uh, we specialize in. Um, the second difference is that in retail, the payment is not that time sensitive. You know, if you tap on a terminal, it may take a couple of seconds for the authorization to go through and come back. Um, and the terminal won't be able to process a second payment until the response comes back for the first one. Uh, whereas in transit, you can't do that. You know, there's, the standard is 300 milliseconds, one third of one second. Otherwise, you end up with a traffic jam at the gate of the, of the bus or the train. So you have to process things much quicker, which means a different authorization process. Um, and thirdly, you know, if you do a retail payment and midway your transaction fails, the store owner can turn around and say, sorry, sir, that didn't work. Can you do that again? Um, in transit, you can't really do that because of the speed issue. So there's a whole different software architecture required to make sure that the, if, if there is a failure somewhere along the line and the guy's already gone through the gate, uh, you can restore and represent that transaction. Uh, and that requires a somewhat different um, architecture. It requires a persistent state, uh, as we call it, so that you know we we can recover these transactions. So, you know, as we developed our system, which is you know cloud native, um, we had to take all of these uh, problems into account, and really that became our advantage in the industry because, you know, from the bottom up. Uh, very quickly as we focus on transit, we we architected things specifically to deal with these problems 
and deal with them in a more efficient, quicker, and, uh, and effective way. Um, and there's probably a range of other, you know, differences that are more complex in detail that I won't go into, but they're probably some of the three main ones that are worth noting. There's more complex rules. It's more time sensitive. Um, and there's less, uh, well, let's stick to the word sensitive here, less sensitivity to failure. Yes, that's right. All right. Okay. That makes sense. Very interesting. You didn't think about that when you enter a bus or enter a train or when you pay off, um, at the terminal in the, uh, in a supermarket, uh, but it's interesting. It makes sense if you think about it. Those kind of complexities are actually behind making such a such a system work. Um, That's right. Are there any specific benefits or challenges uh, in developing specifically for transit uh, agencies? I mean, have they been specifically catered for in the past or not? Um, not, I don't think so, really. You know, there there have been a number of retail payment processes who are now moved into. Um, transit payments and, and adopting and adapting their systems to, to manage that. But, um, you know, because we've specialized and focused on this, um, there are a number of benefits that we bring. And one of them, which comes out very clearly, is um, the risks around these failure of transactions and things you can measure in terms of the percentage of revenue that you collect. Um, and how much what percentage of revenue is lost through fraud and um, being unable to recover payments. Um, and our loss rates are something like 0.3% at the moment, which is by far, um, as we can tell, best in the industry. Um, so that specialization, um, you know, we've developed a whole range of algorithms and put in place machine learning processes and other things to specifically deal with these low value transit payments. Um, and and we see the results of that in the in the numbers. And when transit agencies compare us to other systems that they've had before, they can quickly see that it helps the bottom line. Um, so that you know that that's been one of the main benefits. Um, and you know, again, the the proposition that we have is that we are this infrastructure piece that can connect the different components of the ecosystem. So the advantage for the agencies in in having someone who understands both transit and payments. Um, is that they can, you know, build an ecosystem around that processing platform, add different components to it, uh, and that gives them flexibility and future proofs their transit ticketing as new new technologies emerge. Because we're constantly adding, you know, new hardware that integrates with us, or adding new banking partners that they can use, um, and all of those are tested with our system specifically for transit. Makes sense. So it's a modular platform, basically, that you offer. Absolutely. I mean, that's a key proposition is that um, modularity is something that we that we really push. And it's what you see in a lot of other areas. You know, if you Definitely. think about, you know, your um, payments with Stripe and with Square, or if you think about communications with Zoom and with Slack, you know, nobody has, nobody goes for a, you know, I'm just going to use Microsoft for everything anymore. It's quite rare. You might use them for two or three things, but you can now use best in class, something that works for you. Uh, you might use Teams and use that as a collaboration, but you might use, you know, another software for, um, for you know, word processing and use Google Docs because you, you know, you value collaboration more. And so this modularity, I think we, we've all become accustomed to in our mobile lives, in our desktop lives, in our, you know, and other enterprise software lives. But transit still hasn't quite 
um, got to that. And, and, you know, that's what we're trying to drive. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing in order to receive every episode as it's published. The fintech space is ever-changing, and we care about keeping you up to date with the latest happenings in this exciting space. If you wish to appear on the next episode of In Check with Fintech, please email podcast at teampcn.com. That's podcast at teampcn.com. You mentioned something there earlier, uh, which is fraud. Is, is that something that is around a lot in transit payments, more than in, again, normal payments, for example? Is fraud a big problem or not? Um, not. It's probably less so than normal payments because the value is less. There is less, um, you know, there's less value for the fraudster, if you like, to go in and do fraud. Um, but as you move up the ticket value like a monthly pass or something like that um if if the right processes are not put in place uh we have seen fraud um we've seen fraud where people in a particular city work out that they can get a stolen card buy a monthly ticket you know on the vehicle with their card get a receipt and then hand you know sell that to someone else say um so it, it does exist. It's probably, you know, significantly less than you'd see in retail. Um, and there are process related issues to kind of deal with these things because the contactless on vehicle payments weren't really designed for very high value payments. So um, we, we try to curb that by putting in rules and advising the agencies about what kind of transactions they could accept uh, and then moving some of those higher value transactions to other areas where, where there's better fraud protection like um, card not present gateways uh which you know of which we've developed one makes sense interesting but why i mean given the current market conditions uh but even if these market conditions weren't there why is little pay so relevant now i think you mentioned there specifically something around covid where you said where well, there's a need for cost cutting or more cost efficient solutions which we definitely offer um what are other reasons for why you guys are so relevant at the moment yeah, I think um, there's a couple of reasons I'd say, um, you know, one is the the technological side, you know, as, as we were touching on, the world is moving towards a more uh, agile, specialized uh, kind of service provider, which is what we are, and being able to connect more modularly with other players to build something that is more suitable for you, rather than having an end-to-end tightly coupled solution. Um, I think that from a technology point of view, having APIs, connectivity, being cloud native um, makes us more relevant because it is a more modern tech stack. It is a more modern way to solve the problem than what the current solutions are in the market. Um, I think the other thing that makes us more relevant is that, you know, particularly with COVID now, contactless is becoming more prevalent. Cash is being displaced. We've probably jumped 18 months ahead of the standard curve over the past six months of COVID um, in terms of the amount of cash that's been displaced because contactless is more hygienic. Um, there's probably less uh, less uh, issues with things like virus and, and you know, the newer generation of, um, of commuters, in any case, the younger generation had been moving away from cash anyway. And so that's, that's accelerated. So, you know, we're and we're adding additional features to our product sets and uh, more different fare types that we can handle 
so more and more we're seeing that um, contactless can solve a lot of the different transit cases. You don't need multiple different systems to do that. Um, so increasingly, I think people view this as a lower cost solution. It's a more future-proof solution um, and it's a safer solution. Makes sense, interesting. Where do you do that now? I mean, is there <clears throat> specific geographies where you currently operate? You're obviously in the UK and Ireland. You're based in Australia, so I'm sure that you do quite a lot of business there as well. Is there other parts of the world that you're already uh, in or that you're getting into? Um, yeah, we we actually don't have any clients in Australia, strangely. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we started in Australia because I think, um, uh, you know, some of the founding team started here and we you know when we started we had a vision that this would be global so it didn't really matter where we were um, we'd hope to expand into lots of different regions and so wherever we were we were going to end up needing you know 24 7 support and you know being able to manage clients uh, across a lot of geographies but what ended up happening is that the business became you know for the first few years very much uh focused on the UK. Uh, over the next year, we will have deployments across three or four different countries in Europe, Spain, Portugal, Greece, Finland, uh, and hopefully new ones will emerge. Um, and we have a number of trials that we're doing, smaller scale trials uh, in the US. Um, so the US, again, was going to be a big focus for us um, uh, until COVID happened, and probably we will refocus on the United States uh, next year. Um, and yeah, there are a few other opportunities in our own backyard as well. Um, but you know, one of, one of the things I would say about the transit industry is that because of those regulated processes from, from the, from the time of engaging with, uh, an agency to the time something goes live can take, you know, up to two years, um, sometimes even longer. So it's a very long process. Um, and, you know, we've been working with a number of agencies and operators and partners for a number of years. Um, and hopefully, you know, those are going to now um, turn into real projects over the coming 12 months. Makes sense. Well, what are your considerations when you look at getting into new markets? Are there specific, I don't know, is it demographics that you look at? Is it their uh, willingness to adopt such a technology? Or, or, yeah, what kind of considerations do you look at when entering new markets? Um, well, what we really do is, you know, we, we're a, we're the kind of integration layer that connects the software and hardware vendors into the banking system and manages that in a secure way with, you know, PCI compliance, security, um, and, you know, brings the ecosystem together in that modular fashion. So what we try to do is develop partnerships with both banking providers and these different partners in the ecosystem. And we really follow our partners to markets. Um, that's, that's our primary way of, of going into markets um, rather than saying, you know, market X, you know, we think this is a really attractive market. Let's go focus there. Um, we do have our eye on how things are moving and we, uh, but what we really do is we talk to the banking partners, we talk to the other vendors who we work with, uh, and we try to support them in their efforts. Uh, because at the end of the day, we are one piece of a complicated puzzle. Uh, we're an important piece because we kind of connect the different components. Um, but that's that's typically the approach we take. Some of the metrics that we do look at is obviously contactless adoption. 
some countries have quite low contactless adoption, like Germany, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some other some other markets like the US have low adoption, but we see that they're in the early stages of growth because uh, US has quite low contactless adoption, very high fraud, quite high payment costs. But now the city of New York, um, Chicago, they are deploying um, some contactless transit solutions. They're the big cities that typically go with you know quite large uh, system integrated providers to develop those solutions. And as happened in London, typically when the big cities go, it raises the profile of the solution and all of the other um, agencies want to do the same thing. And they realize, well, we can't afford that solution. That's too expensive for us. And that's where we see that there is an opportunity for us to come in and say, look, here's a much lower cost way to do this um, and, a, and a lot easier way to do it. Um, and so that's that's why we think the US is in the early part of a adoption for contactless and transit. Um, and we want to be there to um, to support that. Makes sense. Very exciting. And you just mentioned also uh, partnerships and, and how important that is to you guys, how deterministic that is. I think you just reached a exciting milestone, right, this September, um, where you became certified as visa ready for transit. Um, that's exciting, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we've we've really been visa ready for transit for some time because from the very first deployment that we did, um, you know, it, it has to comply with the specifications of a visa and MasterCard and, and get a, um, uh, and, and our solution needs to be certified by them. But the visa ready program is a is one where they are also trying to promote this modularity to some extent that, you know, here are the players in the industry that we've worked with, that we trust, that and we know that that can do the job. Um, and so what the program does is uh, it raises the profile of, of some of the players and it gives the agencies an opportunity to kind of look at who's on the visa ready program um, and realize that, you know, these guys have uh, the credibility to provide a solution. Um, we work quite closely with Visa and, and um, their gateway CyberSource. Uh, we're doing a number of deployments with them in the US and in Europe. Uh, so they've been very good partners. And, you know, the role we play there is, again, as a transit specialist, um, you know, we'll work with uh, work with them and they are the, you know, at scale retail payment specialists historically. And so some of the complexities of transit we will solve um, and then be able to connect payments to those traditional payment rails. So you're complementary to each other. Basically, you help them as well on the transit side. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. Um, great. I mean, what's next? What, what are you guys working on? What is it that is coming out or um, is something that you're really excited about? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, COVID has kind of thrown a spanner at everyone's works, but it's given us an opportunity to really um, think about, you know, our product roadmap and where we want to go. Um, and, you know, over the past few years, we've been very much focused on cart present transactions, the tapping of the cart on a terminal, you know, at a, at a, on a vehicle or a gate, um, which is a very different process uh, to mobile ticketing and um, web ticketing sales because they don't, you know, you don't tap a card. That's called card not present transactions. Um, and often those transactions are higher value. They require, you know, 3DS and a number of other uh, secure security and fraud capabilities. 
um, and there you are competing against the likes of, say, Stripe and Braintree. Um, so we have developed over the past year our solution for card not present, again, specialising in transit. Um, and we're very excited to then be able to go to the agencies and give them effectively an omni-channel solution, uh, which then allows them to, you know, get a get a holistic view of their customers across both, you know, the card present side and the card not present side and be able to get that data and understand the various trends of, you know, how customers respond to new products um, and, and, a, and a range of other kind of innovations that we can bring by having both of those together. You know, for example, you could buy a monthly ticket on your mobile phone uh, through the, you know, through the bus operators app. And then when you go on the bus, you might be able to just tap your card or tap your phone to validate that ticket as opposed to, you know, what it is today, which is often a QR based solution, which is a lot more cumbersome um, and, and not as user friendly. Um, and there's a range of other kind of innovations that we're working on around the combination of the two uh, channels. Uh, so that's really exciting. We've been working on that for, for quite some time and should, that should go live early next year. Um, and the other thing that we've just developed is an app for uh, revenue inspection, uh, which is more on the, you know, if, a, if an inspector comes on a train and wants to check that you've paid with, with um, your debit card or credit card, how do they do that? So we've developed a solution, which will be an app on a phone and you can tap the inspector's device, which will just be like an Android phone. Um, and that device will connect to our system and verify that this card has made a payment. Um, and uh, that's something that we're hoping to launch in the next month. Uh, so we're continually, you know, building out the solution and, you know, the holy grail for us is to be able to build a solution that says, look, contactless EMV can provide the entire solution for a city's um, ticketing needs and you no longer need these very expensive bespoke systems like Oyster, Oyster cards or Mikey cards or these closed loop systems, um, which are the legacy systems. So that's all probably a, you know, a few years away, but you know, that's where we're working towards a solution where we can effectively do the whole thing at a significantly lower cost and a lot, lot easier. Yeah. And I think for the consumer as well, the experience is much better. I mean, I can't wait for this solution to come to the Netherlands, to be honest, because we indeed have a closed loop system where I need to upload money onto my, um, public transport cards and I can pay with that, but I can't use my phone or my bank cards like I can do, for example, in, uh, in the UK. Um, so I think it's, uh, it's very interesting. There's a lot of opportunity out there, I'm sure across the globe. Yeah. I mean, the challenge is I think for the, for the agencies, um, what, what they find is they'll bring in contactless, but they can't quite get rid of the closed loop because the closed loop, you know, has got a significant base, there are kids and concessions and senior cards that are already on that. Um, and so there is a transition period where you end up with both systems. Um, but, you know, we're hoping that we can come up, you know, between the mobile phone and the card, you know, an elegant system that means, you know, you, you don't need all of that uh, additional infrastructure. No, exactly. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Ami. Very insightful to uh, get to know a bit more about uh, about transit payments. Um, if our listeners want to find out more about LittlePay, uh, where can they find you guys? Where should they go? Uh, if anyone's interested, they can uh, email me. Uh, my email is amin at littlepay.com. Um, happy to receive any emails and um, 
And if anyone's interested in something so technical and uh, it's, it's basically people like you and me who are interested in this stuff, I'm not sure how, how big it is. So I'm happy to give my email. Um, uh, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe get thousands yeah. of emails. You never know. It could be good for business. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Great timing. No, right, thank you cool. very much, Rita. Appreciate appreciate the opportunity to talk to your uh, talk to your audience. Yeah. Well, thanks for for being on the show. And great to have you. Um, and thanks, listeners, for uh, listening. Um, if you've done not, not yet done so, uh, feel free to su- subscribe to our podcast on uh, Apple Podcast or on uh, Spotify. Uh, leave us a rating. Um, and um, hope to hear you next time. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. And we'd like to leave you with a more serious message from our partner, Free Your Girl, who are dedicated to fighting child prostitution and impunity all over the world. Hi, I'm Eveline, CEO and founder of Free Your Girl. Every day, two million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars, or online, forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away together with their youth, family, and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us, unlock their freedom, and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freeagirl.com for more information. Thank you.